Welcome to Cloud Realities Live, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities that can be unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Xiao Kazal. And I'm Rob Kernahan. And we are in Barcelona still at the Mobile World Congress 2024. This is the third episode of a mini-series we're doing from here, exploring the, the convergence of the wilder tech world and the innovation that's going on in the world of uh, communications and telecommunications. Um, on the last show, we talked about some of the things that uh, we'd seen on the, on the conference floor. Now, in the hour or so since then, I've had a chance to go and see the flying car. It's uh, the flying car, and uh, you were slightly disappointed in that, David. It wasn't. Not, it wasn't Blade Runner for you, was it's it? It's not a car, Robert. It's not. Well, that is the first point. You, uh, uh, I think you uh, characterise uh, it's, it's not flying. It's like I, I, I fully believe the thing flies, given it's got more rotors than helicopters. Like you look at the thing and you go, I think an optimised version of that looks like a helicopter. <laughs> Do you want to tell the uh, the designers uh, there's this thing invented in the 40s and 50s that yeah I think they I think they're ahead of you but, but Dave what happened shortly after that when we went to the Zymi stand and we looked at the new mobile phones they're launching so I was quite excited about going the, the, the for those who haven't seen the, they've they've created a partnership all around the uh, camera and the and the lenses and the optics and they've done a, a partnership with Leica who you know if you're not familiar with it do very very cool um, traditional cameras and digital cameras. Um, they're sort of like a, the the peak, their peak camera. So I was quite excited about doing this. Yeah, so I picked up one of the phones and, and uh, set the alarms off. All the alarms went off on the yeah. stand and Dave's just stood there and everybody's <laughs> looking at him and Dave's holding this just phone. Just plugged and it back in again and nonchalantly <laughs> walked away. And then away. put it down and just casually walked off yeah. as everybody but switched the alarms off. That's it. It's all I, can do. It's all I feel I can do. You definitely announced yourself on that stand today. I did, unintentionally. <laughs> so. But the uh, Hall 3 here, um, definitely more of a consumer electronics vibe ah, absolutely. in there. There's uh, all the big uh, phones in there, the Lenovo stand. Marcel rejecting the future of technology, particularly likes Hall 3 when he looked at the minority report display and just said it's uh, not for me not for me anything for me. remotely futuristic no our producer if, if if we could produce this on pen and paper and not have to use the internet to publish it I think he'd have his way he probably would, probably would. anyway look so uh, in today's uh, show we're going to talk about again one of the one of the main themes in the conference which is uh, 5G and beyond so to give you a sense of how the conference thinks about that uh, 5G being a catalyst for building intelligent um intelligence in at the network edge and then the next phase of 5g advanced underlying the need for end-to-end -end ai integration of course always and i mean what what doesn't need ai integration yeah. these days i, I would say i think uh, we've done well to get what two minutes into the conversation before exactly. bringing up ai this is this is a thing when we have the podcast we're conscious we talk about AI quite a bit because literally everywhere, it's just in your face, isn't it? And we try and do episodes where we don't talk about it and naturally everything always comes yeah, back at the luck. moment to it. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it's too, it's too hard. Funny how most of Schalke's trends at the moment have got AI related. <laughs> Indeed it is. Yeah, you can't, uh, you can't skip that, right? Can't, can't no. skip it. No, it wouldn't be a show without it. Anyway, so obviously we've got that. Uh, and then it said, be it through holographic communications or gesture recognition to support extended reality-based applications, and even 6G is beginning to find its phone. Uh, but as the rollout of the, of the mobile generation gets shorter, the return on investment takes longer. And as each generation presents new features and a wealth of new opportunities, is patience needed at a time when the industry is speeding up is the big question. Well, you mean you get, you get caught around the uh, axle of progression yeah. and people always want the latest and people are innovating around it but there is that big point about the business case for 5g 
has taken a long time to realize itself. Remember when they did the original Spectrum offload and the licenses went out, there was some big money paid and it's taken a while. Well, to certainly UK that. 5G. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like, remember that quite vividly. I, I would say, is it nearly as fast as 3G yet? Uh, <laughs> you get more on, don't you? It's better for the stadium experience. Yes, that's that's what I've heard. That's yeah. what I've heard. But yeah, no, I think that there is a whole point here about the about the innovation cycle, and we've talked about it before on the show, haven't we? Which is some some of the innovation cycle is it it feels like it's doing it just because it needs to get something out that year versus it's the, there's legitimate innovation. Well, it's, it's it's the general tech cycle that people expect something new. Every year, the big conferences, you expect announcements. And sometimes I think that that forces the innovation to happen within a particular time window. It yeah. may be a more natural cycle, might be better, but we've got used to that every year something new comes out. Right, exactly. Keep going, yeah. So I think exactly. there's maybe may a side effect of that. Well, we're going to talk to um, one of the world's great innovators uh, as an organization now uh, with AWS. And we're going to talk about um, cloud and hybrid edge and mobile private networks. And I'm delighted to say that we have two guests joining us here at the show. We've got Zahn Cassell, who's the global head of AWS Hybrid Edge, Telcon CSP. Uh, and we've got Chris McKenna, who's the worldwide head of business development for private networks. Guys, good to see you. Good How to are see you doing? You. Thanks for hosting us. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's good, to, good, good that you're taking a few minutes out. How's the show been for you so far? Energetic. And I bet it has. Energetic. Too. Well, you're wearing trainers and a suit, so there you, you go. You, you're well, you're well <laughs> poised for it. This is this is the thing we spotted. So if you go to reInvent, which is of a similar size, dress is a bit different. There's the specialized trainers you had last year, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. as the two worlds collide, there, there's going to be a merging, exactly. I think, of that. Merging, yeah, yeah. A merging of dress wear. Sartorial merger. <laughs> <laughs> and the step count's doing well yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what have you seen? What, what's really stood out for you, Zan? Um, I'm not even going to say AI, but of course, that's the, that's yes. the theme. And for our, in our world, um, it's all about exposing the network in terms of programmability. So APIs and the exposure of those APIs to developers is also another big theme. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, the other thing that I've really noticed is um, the move away from talking about the technology, talking about proof of concept and science experiments and moving to real world customer deployments. Mm -hmm. So real adoption is, is, is where I've seen the real change this year. An experience centric conversation. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, funnily enough, there was, a, there, was, there was some of that reinvent as well, I thought last year. Yeah. The, the beginning, the emergence of, of experience being like front and center in the conversation. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and that, that just talks to the maturity of the 5G industry where it's really come along now. Yeah, we're really feeling that we're at a tipping point right now, at an mm. inflection point. We're going from these proof of concepts and these hypothetical scenarios now into production reality. And right. as Chris says, um, very much aligned with the maturity curve of the industry. Indeed. Well, let's let's uh, dig in then and actually talk about some of the things that you guys are focused on uh, on a day by day basis. Maybe maybe before we we dive right into it, let's just do some some level setting around things like hybrid edge and mobile private networks. So in, so in your world, Zan, how do you frame that stuff up? Yeah, hybrid edge is, is really about the fact that our customers using AWS, um, there's a growing number of ways in which they want to use it. They want to use it in a manner that's appropriate for them. So our job is to really bring AWS to where and how it's needed. And the way in which we do that is, is by taking um, the AWS experience, that value proposition from the regions, through to metro-dense areas, through to on-premises, even to the, the most far 
edges that you can think of space where we've uh, you may have mm. seen we've got a the snowball edge device we call it yeah right. um, floating around in the international space station which is a pr pretty cool thing that is pretty it's cool. pretty cool and the, the the whole concept here is that our community gets the same aws experience the same service tools experience that they know and love um throughout that entire continuum so that's all about AWS providing centralized control, but decentralized execution. Right. And where it, the magic really happens is where we combine cloud and connectivity together. So the mm. fusion. So for us, the go-to-market partnerships we, we form with, with the telcos, with our customers, with our partners, is absolutely critical. And here we, we put compute and storage at the edge of the networks. Right. And that's often referred to multi-access edge compute, or MEC is the, the, the funky acronym that's around right. that. Right. And um, here there's really two flavors of it. There's what's called public edge or public MEC. And this is really about the ability to have multi-access um, edge compute, typically accessed through a public network and we have an offering called AWS Wavelength that sits inside the telcos facilities access mm. through the telcos mm. network to provide connectivity differentiated access and the other form factor or the other category is referred to as private mech and this is really about on-premise capability, a private network situation. And here we typically see the use of an AWS outpost, which is the same right, computer right. storage we use in a, in a data center or in our regions, put on-premise. And this is really where, where Chris is working with um, certain projects like uh, programs like IPW. Yeah, so this time last year we announced uh, a partner ecosystem program called mm. Integrated Private Wireless or IPW. Uh, one of the many acronyms we'll probably throw around yeah, today. Yeah, we're not shy uh, of acronyms on this, on this show. Don't worry <laughs> we'll about try it. To, uh, yeah, we'll try to spell them out when we get to them. Um, so this is a program where we take exactly what Zahn was just describing, with all, all of our MEC offerings, mm -hmm. and we combine them with uh, cellular network delivery. Right. And we put them onto customer premises. So, so it, it is, it's still cloud. So our cloud stack extends out to the customer premises by deploying... Um, the infrastructure offerings we have, Outpost and, and Snow family of devices. Um, and then we run partner network uh, workloads there to provide cellular connectivity into our, uh, into our customers' uh, premises. And the reason we do that is normally because the networking capability they have or, they, or, or, or that they could have deployed in the past is not capable of delivering the performance, the throughput, the service, the right. guarantees, and the yeah, security yeah, yeah that you get from uh, technology like cellular, which is superior to, uh, to Wi-Fi for delivering mission-critical uh, use cases at the edge. So that's what we call mobile private networks, a combination of all of that together. So, that, so when, you bring that, when you bring all of that now kind of dramatically innovated, actually, edge capability a lot in, into, the, into the world of the cloud itself, what... what seems to be emerging here is a much more sophisticated architecture around cloud and how you would run cloud applications. So you're removing latency as an issue, um, you're increasing edge power, so n not only latency from a point then of, you know, kind of having to actually have an, a, 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 um, an application be operable over ultra-wide area, you're actually creating processing on the edge and, and network on the edge. What kind of experiences are you building with that that you couldn't have built with the traditional cloud? Yeah, I think um, we're very, very humble to be showcasing a number of those possibilities here at, at Mobile World Congress. Right. Um, if you have the um, 
the opportunity to go to the AWS area here. What you'll see is a number of, of areas and demos, and one particular area is showcasing the importance of the enterprise channel for both ourselves and our partners. And here, this is really the concept of digitalizing industries. So there's a, there's a number of uh, very cool demos that are happening here. Mm. So mm. It, there's one around manufacturing with, with one of our customers, Jabil, where we showcase how Jabil have improved the manufacturing process and quality of their process using computer vision um, use cases based on AWS and on a Verizon network by 28% reduction mm. in those defects. Mm. Then we've got a, a very cool demo around agriculture. So this allows uh, like a farmer, for example, to go, okay, in a remote area, I want to start running and, and digitalizing my agricultural processes. So through a seamless interface, they're able to um, order a private network, they're able to select sensors, they're able to order a, order a fleet of drones to start doing some very cool things around crop management hmm. and at a click of a button, order that, and, and we behind the scenes will work with our partners to deliver it. Wow. Then there's um, one around airports. <clears throat> so here what happens is we give the airport, uh, uh, the operations of the airport, the ability to um, interact with the operations through voice commands. This is based on what we call AWS IoT TwinMaker and, uh, and Amazon Bedrock. And this allows the operator to actually say, okay, I've got an event like Mobile Congress, I've got a lot of people coming into a particular airport, and just through voice commands, dynamically configure the network and the <laughs> experience based on where they see the influx of, of passengers coming in. So it could be like literally we've got a lot of international flights coming into Terminal 2, push a lot of capability into Terminal 2. Yeah, exactly. And like traditionally, these kind of interfaces would have been very passive. Right. As an operator, right. you would have been stood there looking at a dashboard, then making phone calls, mobilizing um, professional service teams yeah. and so on. Now it's, it's all about just voice commands and being able to, to vocally interact with the system and have that system adjust. Um, other examples is, is imports. So here, one of the questions we often get is, what is the monetization opportunity mm. for enterprises in this space and for telcos? So we're showcasing um, with our partner um, how, how ports can use um, private networks and edge to create new services for shipping containers, for example. Right. So if, if you're a captain of a ship, you're coming into a port, you, you want to basically uh, maybe inspect your, your cargo content um, using a fleet of drones. Mm. You may want to understand if there's any obstructions in front of you. So what the Port Authority can do is create these services on the fly um, using a private network, using AWS Cloud and Compute, and then present that in an application that the captain of the ship or the ship can use to say, yes, I'll subscribe to that service and give me that data, give me that feedback to allow that captain of the ship to have a, a more rewarding experience. Mm. And the last vertical I'll mention that we're, or industry that we're focused on is healthcare. And uh, this is a favorite one of mine because it's basically showcasing how medical professionals no longer need um, expensive machinery to be able to do training. So you can imagine how much effort is required for a medical pra practitioner to train and have that continuous training. So what we do here is, is equip them with a, um, a VR headset or with a mobile phone or with, a, with an iPad. And you, simultaneously with a colleague who could be in a different country, mm. can perform remote uh, surgery 
through swiping through. So we're actually, it's, it's, Mad. you have to be pretty strong stomach because yeah. <laughs> in one particular um, showcase, you're actually opening up your kneecap and exposing it but it's a very it really demonstrates the importance of latency because right. you can imagine if I'm swiping to open up the right side of the kneecap yep. and my colleague is swiping to, to open up the left side and there's a delay there it's a pretty messy experience <laughs> so this one we're particularly uh, particularly excited about it showcase the, the latency of that of might be the best example of why latency is important that yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah, so you, you, you value your kneecaps yeah. Yeah. you don't want anything to go wrong with that process do you no, you yeah, certainly yeah, don't yeah. you certainly don't see, see what, what what gets us excited is, and you probably got it from what Zan was saying there, is that the applications of this technology are so diverse yes. that they actually cut across every single industry vertical and every market segment. Well, I was, I was going to ask you, Chris, actually, uh, it's a beautiful bridge into how are you starting conversations with customers about this? Because there's such, there's such a level of, of convergence in the varying different layers you're talking about to get there that, that customers sometimes are only really just wrapping their heads around the, the standard offerings of the cloud or, and how they leverage that in their organizations. So d describe to us like an, an early customer conversation and how you're helping organizations to, to get to the levels of sophistication that Zahn just described. Yeah, this is, this is actually a, a, an interesting question because this is, this is one area where we're seeing things change quite considerably. We, we mentioned earlier the, the difference between this year and previous years around the maturity of these solutions. So mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, customers were saying to us, what's this private 5G stuff all about, right? right? And right. How, how is it different? What can we do with it? And, and, and that's completely changed now. What customers are saying to us now is, um, I have a business problem I need to fix. Can you help me fix it? Mm. Or, or I have a digital transformation program we're undergoing and we've reached you know, a, a need for some of this technology. So, so the, the, the conversations have gone from what's it all about to I need it. Right. And, and right. that's really changed. So, so a customer may say to us, um, for example, I want to automate my factory floor. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned a manufacturing demo we have up in, our, in our area. Um, and the answer is, is not necessarily a network. So, so a, a network does not automate a factory floor no. alone. No. The network plus sensors, plus the data that comes off those sensors, plus the decisions that you make based upon the data that comes off those sensors. That's what automates your factory floor. Mm. And mm. upstream processes that then uh, modify your manufacturing processes based upon the decisions that come from that data. And so that's where AI comes into things, of course. And that's a really important point about making sure your digital feedback loops are in place. So you've collected yep. the data, you've integrated it, you've got it somewhere, make sure you process it and the intelligence and the onward prescriptive things that you need to do from that get played back into the loop. That's right. And I think that's where organizations, there's, there's, a, there's a gap, I think, between implementing the tech and then getting the business or the end user to change their ways of working to work off that data. And there's a, there's a, you sometimes you have to nudge everyone along to say, look, you've got all this, now think about it and then improve. Yeah, we talk a lot about cloudification and you know, uh, the, the digital transformation that our customers are on. And, and, and cloudifying uh, a business process is but as much about the people as it yep. is about the technology. Yeah, we, 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 we take the whole investment in go to market very seriously. It's not enough about it's not enough just to put technology out there. You really have to work with your partners and work with your customers to help them on a transformational cycle. So we will invest yeah. In, yeah. in training, we'll invest in, in providing the tools um, and assistance in that journey because it's so important for that adoption cycle. And, and there's an upward education into the, the business and the end user. Sometimes they just don't know you can do it. And it's bringing the stories and sure. the use cases around the things that you've just discussed up and go, ooh, if we took that idea and that idea, put the two together and applied it to that, 
suddenly then it's that diversity of thinking that you need everyone in the room playing about with what the art of the possible is and what they need to solve and that building that interaction is as important as the technology that can actually do the thing you need it to do exactly and that's all about that collaboration and working together to create the art of the possible mm. what we have found though is that going back to the life cycle and the maturity curve of 5g it was often started with what is the art of possible? So you came up with a lot of theoretical use cases, which were great at the time to, to get people thinking. But in fact, what we're observing is, in terms of an adoption cycle, it's starting with maybe some of the more rudimentary needs. Yeah. For example, one of the, the benefits of, of hybrid edge is, is data residency. And one of our customers, for example, one of our, our partners, Fanjul, has found in the US, they need to adhere to regulatory requirements in each state. So here, the ability to, to put workloads in various states um, with that data residency requirement is really one of the initial um, adoption cycles rather than the, the, the cooler um, use cases that you often hear about. And one of the accelerating factors there is actually high availability. Yeah. Because with the, going back to the fact that we, we deploy a breadth of, of options for our customers, they can actually deploy in, in state, but then also deploy in a different type of infrastructure setup, or a different type of compute and storage to provide high availability. But that being said, we are now also seeing a tipping point for those more exciting use cases that, that you've mentioned. Um, either driven by the need for enterprises to, to bring operational efficiencies, right. whether that might be um, safety, it might be through uh, cost cutting or even sustainability we're seeing now as well. But then the other side of that is the revenue generation um, side of it. So some of the things that we're seeing or use cases there on the revenue generation side is um, Verizon have done a wonderful job with some of their partners like AFI to provide a seamless checkout experience in stadiums. Mm. So you may have heard about this. When you go to a stadium, you, you, the, the queuing experience oh, it's is just, it's it's terrible. just it's terrible. It's not good. Awful. So the idea of being able to go into a stadium, grab your beer, grab your T-shirt, and just wave at a sensor right. and walk out with it is it, pretty cool. Mm. So they're mm. the types of use cases that, that are now appearing to help enterprises monetize from revenue, cost reduction, but it's also starting from the less sexier area as well. Brilliant stuff. So moving on to another element that there's a, there's a little bit of a buzz around at the show today is like network as a service or NAS. NAS used to be network attached storage. It, it does. It still is as well. It's an overloaded <laughs> acronym. Like re repurposing yeah, yeah, yeah. acronyms. I think it's a double A. a little yeah, little yeah, little with have, we, <laughs> have we run out of acronyms and then four they have Having to get corrupted? Yeah. There's always that one I was remembering. Remember PCM CIA cards? I do. Yeah, yeah. That got, that got changed to people can't memorize computer industry acronyms. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> That's That's the irony. You remember that? <laughs> I'm yeah. that old. I am that the old. Irony. Yeah. The irony. The irony. Uh, so, Nas, tell us about that. Well, um, yes, it has many meanings. Many meanings from from our perspective. It's, but it's not uh, network attached storage. No, well, not in this it, it is, but not in the context not that we're the, thinking gotcha, of it. Gotcha. No. Um, for, for us, it really encapsulates the idea that telcos are now presenting their networks in a way that developers can start interfacing with them. And huh. if, you, if you've been a developer or, or have a, no matter how hard you, you, you configure your application, mess around with your storage, um, optimize your, your infrastructure, there's always that network element that you can't tap into. Developers just, don't like the network. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't like it. They well, stay away I, from I it. I think they're going to in the future. Strike fear yeah. into I, the heart I, of I, many developers. Well, it's, become, it's because it's, be, it's becoming 
software-driven, programmable, exactly. yeah, they have to get involved exactly. in it. Yeah, yeah. So this is really about exposing the network now through APIs mm. and allowing mm. developers to now interface with that and have more control with the network. So there's a number of, um, of, of initiatives in this space. Um, we've made we've made a couple of, of, of announcements that we're excited about. We made an announcement where we're working with Verizon, um, T-Mobile, Orange, um, Liberty Global, and Telefonica. And here, what they're looking to do is, as they expose their APIs to developers, they're looking to work with us to tap into our developer community. And one of the mechanisms we have that um, to enable them to do that is the AWS Marketplace. Mm. So the Marketplace has over 15,000 transactable offerings today. We have 2.5 million subscribers on the Marketplace. You can imagine this is a rich area where developers come, consume, build, discover. And if you add those APIs, for example, the capabilities to, to um, now well, one of, the, one of the APIs which we're seeing a lot of is the SimSwap API. Right. So the ability to now identify if a user is, is using a phone where the SIM has recently been swapped, and if that's the case, yeah. it suggests that there's yeah. something a bit going untoward there. going on. So one of the demos we actually have in our booth with um, Claro and Exatia from Indonesia is to showcase how a, a mobile user could subscribe to a service using facial recognition or, or the, the typical two-factor authentication and actually get an access pass through that. But then by triggering the SIM swap API, they're actually denied access. So it allows this an another layer of, of authentication. Mm. We've also done another announcement around this with one of our partners, Ericsson, and they have an offering called Vonage. Um, and here they've got a system where they're also demonstrating this SimSwap API, um, which is accessible via the marketplace. And the third thing that we've announced around this whole API exposure layer is how we're working with telcos at the, the network layer itself to allow the AWS APIs to communicate with the telco APIs. Right. So right. what that means is if you're a developer coming in through maybe a a telco portal, because a lot of telcos are also building their own marketplaces for this API discovery, or whether you're coming through the AWS marketplace. You get into the same place. You have a richer set, exactly, David. You have a richer set of functionality because we're doing all the hard work and the collaboration um, underneath. And there's a there's a initiative called the 5G Future Forum where we're collaborating with them on these bi-directional APIs, which is another initiative we're announced. What really strikes me, and maybe to bring our conversation to a bit of a close, but what really, really strikes me in, in the, a lot of the descriptions you've both given is just the sheer number of partners and players that are involved in it. And, yeah. and, and You can't do it on your own. You, yeah, you, you can't. Each each country has got their own country providers. They've got some countries are more competitive in this space than other countries. So there's multiple different providers that are required. Multiple different underlying networks and and uh, and technologies that are deployed in those networks. All of which are innovating at different speeds. Hugely complex. So I mean, it was complex when it was just in the in the world of compute. Never mind when you get into the world of of carriers and networks. How are, you, how are you guys orchestrating that so you can keep the experience as clean as possible, either for the dev or even further up the stack, the actual end customer? Yeah, and, uh, and I'll take us back to our integrated private wireless program because what we were seeing uh, previous to last year is that we had teams that were engaging different types of partners across our organization. So we had teams that were focused on systems integrators, teams that were focused on 
uh, network uh, function uh, vendors uh, or, or, or what we call ISVs, so independent uh, software vendors. Um, teams that were focused on radio vendors, teams that were focused on applications at the edge, teams that were focused on AI, teams that were focused on edge compute. And this was all going on across our organization. And what we did through the IPW program was we brought all of that together. We right. said, okay, to go out to market with a cohesive set of offerings for mobile private networks and MEC, um, we need to bring all this together under one banner. So really, we, when we look at private networks, and you know, if you ask us what private networks are and you ask maybe Ericsson what private networks are, you probably get a bit of a different answer. Right. So we're a cloud service provider, Ericsson a connectivity provider, but coming together, we offer that sort of full end-to-end -end stack. So when we look at private networks, we look at uh, a three-layer stack, layer one being connectivity. Mandatory enabler, can't do anything if nothing's connected. So that's absolute mandatory enabler. Layer two being edge infrastructure. So we have infrastructure offerings, as Arne was describing earlier, and we have all of our services. That would be the snowball and outpost. And outpost like and our snow family, yeah. And there's a few different ones. We have large form factor 42U racks of outposts. We have small form factor 2U, 1U rack, uh, rackable versions. We have Snowball Edge, which is, which is ruggedized and designed to go at the, at the edge. It's also designed to go offline. So, um, or yeah. off planet. Or off planet. And yeah, we have one of those, uh, as Arne said, on, on the ISS. So, Lots of different offerings at the edge is layer two, and then layer three is what happens on top of all of that. And this is really where the interesting stuff comes in. And, and again, you have partners at that layer. Right. And you have partners offering applications that do inference at the edge, for example, um, video analytics partners who, who are leveraging our AI services to assess the, the, the feeds that are coming off cameras, for example. So at every layer, there's a partner ecosystem, and what, uh, our job is to pull all that together. What, is it, what does it look like to you when you look, say, five, ten years out? Uh, what, what kind of experiences do you think we'll be creating at that point? Well, this, this is where I think we'll start to see a, a, a divergence, or a convergence, I should say, of the two topics we've covered today. So right. we, we see a time when private networks will be uh, consumed via a fully automated process. Mm. So once the carriers are, are there and everywhere... I can only assume that's going to be AI-enabled. <laughs> um, I would, I would think so. Yes, good. Um, it will be in God. there somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and developers can use those network APIs we were just describing to spin up new networks, whole new networks. Because once everything is software uh, based, you can you can create a new network. Carriers call it slicing. You can you know you, you can call it the automated deployment of private networks, for example, right. private over public. So you can spin up a new network and you can deploy new services and you can consume services from the cloud. Our cloud is being more and more distributed all the time. We're building things called uh, local zones and metro centers. So, so the present, once the presence is there and everything is software defined, everything will be automated and of course AI driven. Uh, and that's what we think will come uh, a little further down the road. Yeah, because I, 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 I actually just realized, I don't think I actually answered your question around then what does NAS mean in this context. Right. It really is as what Chris just described, network yeah. as a service. So that's really what we're talking about here. It, re it really brings up just so many tremendous new uh, capabilities that I hadn't actually thought of well, a lot of them before. Once you've got the platform and you've democratized it, I, it's open for anybody to use through an API interface, you'll get a huge amount of creativity that comes off oh, the yeah, back of that, right? Yeah, so, so you're making uh, that, that capability much more accessible. And through that accessibility, people will invent crazy new ideas. Yeah. And that's what always happens. Innovation that makes other innovation possible. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, innovation just accelerates once you engage the developer community. I think the most exciting thing is that there are exciting things that we don't even know are coming. Right, right. Well, look, on that note, 
um, of optimism and, and exciting creativity. We'll say thanks for making time today, guys. Uh, much appreciated. Good to see you. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much. Now, we end every episode of this podcast by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And usually when we're at a show, it's about the show itself or the or Barcelona, the city we're in at the moment. So, Zahn, why don't you start us off? What are you excited about doing Yeah, now? well, on, on a bit of a longer front, I'm more excited about taking these hypothetical scenarios and, as we've said, and making them an our production reality and really working with enterprises, our partners, to, to, to help them monetize. Mm. On a more personal level, this is my last night in Barcelona, yes. so I can, I can let my hair down a little bit tonight nice. and uh, maybe have one or two more drinks than I would might otherwise yep. have had in you the previous night. you got a plan in night. mind? you got a plan in uh, mind? I do, but I would prefer to keep that to myself. No, you like, wouldn't want all your yeah, fans yeah, crowding Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. too much. Fair enough, mate. Well, enjoy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Chris? It's funny, just before we came on air, you said uh, a lot of people talk about going home. And I think for me, I'm, I am going to come back to that one because yeah. it is particularly relevant. Zahn and I are both, as you can probably hear, both Brits. Yeah. And we both live in the US. Right. Um, right. And I haven't been home, home, home. Uh, I should go to the UK. For a number of months, and I'm going to the UK tomorrow, so I'm very much looking oh, forward to it. Oh, brilliant. Is that fam like family visit? Yes, and it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. wonderful. Enjoy. I'm sure it's going to be lovely. I will. Thank you very much. So a huge thanks to our guests, Zarn and Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks also to our sound and editing wizards, Ben and Louis, our producer, Marcel, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Rob Kernhan, and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us, and please get in touch if you have any comments or ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you back in the MWC reality soon. Bye.